Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we've got our first mailbag of the offseason, pre-free agency mailbag. So got a lot of questions. And we banished Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley contract questions and what are we doing at pick 25. Which we're going to do an episode talking about all Giants pending free agents. Yeah, when? Here in the next couple of weeks. I was thinking that might be something to do good, something to do once we get back from Daytona. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that'll that be when we do that. Um, and we got an interview, player interview coming out on Tuesday's pod. Not going to tell you who it is. And I so badly want to drop a hint, but I can't do it. Justin, how are you? Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't drop a hint. Uh, this player's never dropped a pass. Whoops. He may up. have, actually. Oh, I don't want to say it. Don't want to slander. Hi, Bobby Skinner. It's actually crazy. You know, you mentioned, you know, there's some big things coming up with the Giants, you know, free agency. This is a pre-free agency mailbag. Don't think we're going to do another mailbag before free agency. Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, uh, on this episode of when will Mike Kafka or Wink Martindale get a head coaching job? There's a lot of things that kind of like quiet, sneaky things happening with the Giants right now. But there's like huge things happening in our lives right now. Um, the combine went great. On Wednesday, uh, I'm really going to promote that towards the end of February, beginning of March. So get ready for that. That's the last time I'll say it. Um, until then, I'm going to the Super Bowl. We're going to Daytona. Uh, and then after, basically after we go to Daytona, uh, we are full into free agency in the draft and, and stuff like that. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited for Daytona. It's like the first work trip where it's just fun. Yeah. Like not like it's work, but it's not real work. And it's also like a dream. You've never been to, have you ever been to a Cup Series Daytona 500? Yeah, the the night the it was the night race that got postponed for the next day in the middle of July, very humid, and it was. No, I'm talking about for the 500 though. No, not the 500. Yeah, I mean it's like, I I have liked NASCAR longer than I've liked football, and it's like a dream of mine. But we'll we'll talk about that more next week, Bobby Skinner. We have a mailbag, and I'm excited for these questions. All right, let's do it. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Jesse Samino. Any realistically available out of locker room offensive coordinator and or defensive coordinator hires that would excite slash intrigue us in the event that one or both of Mike Kafka and Wake Martindale are gone. So out of the building, OCDC hires. Yeah, so DC, it's a lot more difficult of a decision because defensive coordinators that are known to be good are, are hired. Um, and it's just, it's just a lot more difficult. Offensive coordinator, man, I came up with some names that I like. And the two ones that stuck out to me the most were from the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, and they do some really innovative stuff on offense. Even if you want to go down to their QB sneaks the way they do them, like rugby style. Like, even like even that is pretty interesting, what they do in their run game. Like, they, I really like what they do offensively. And they're not uh, just like, this is our scheme, we run it. Like, no, they adjust to what they have and they build off of what they do. Brian Johnson, the Eagles QB coach, he's been their QB coach for the last two years. He came from the Gators where he was the offensive coordinator in that last year with like Kyle Trask, Kadarius Tony year where they were really good and, you know, went got into a scoring fest in the SEC championship. You know, he was the quarterback coach in Mississippi State with Dak Prescott, obviously, you know, when, when you know, Dak had that team almost undefeated. Um, and then Kevin Petulo, who's the Eagles passing game coordinator, who's been with them for the same amount of time. Uh, he was a passing game coordinator with the Colts, where Mike Grove was there in 2020 as a wide receiver coach, and Mike Grove actually replaced him as a wide receiver coach. I mean, they had the number nine offense with Phillip Rivers as their quarterback, and it was very noticeable that Phillip Rivers was done. And it's not like that team was talented, but it wasn't just swamped with talent. Um, those are the two names that were like I would that like if I'm if I'm looking at it's like I want to do that, and then you have the connections with Brandon Brown, obviously, like. Brian Johnson and Kevin Petulo from the Eagles, I those names really intrigue me the most. Yeah, the same reason why we got excited about Mike Kafka. It's like, man, we don't really know a lot about you, but you come from a fun spot that's really good at scoring points and really good at, at offense. So we'll kind of welcome any offensively or defensively. I think if any of Wink Martindale or Mike Kafka leave, if Brian Dable hires an OC or a DC that comes from a place that 
either is good offensively or defensively, will welcome you. Um, but somebody that would excite me that we have seen somewhat of a track record at offense coordinator, and I think he got shafted. I think he got a really, really bad deal. And hopefully he learned from his first experience as an offense coordinator. I'd be pretty excited with Joe Brady. Joe Brady right now is the off is the excuse me, he's the quarterback's coach for the Buffalo Bills. So you would think that if Ken Dorsey, if McDermott, and if the Buffalo Bills brass kind of felt enticed to hire Ken Dorsey as a QB coach, that kind of same thinking is inevitably here in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where maybe Brian Dable would want to give Ken Dorsey a call, excuse me, um, Joe Brady a call to hire him him as the OC. And the reason why I think Ken, uh, I keep on saying Ken Dorsey, the reason why I think Brian Dable and Joe Brady would work well together, we already are pretty confident in Brian Dable's horizontal offense. You know, those crossing routes going over the middle of the field. Uh, You know, there was a really solid quick game that was integrated this year too. Probably was Mike Kafka influence, but you know, that's part of the playbook. What we want to see more is a vertical passing offense. And that was Joe Brady's bread and butter when he was with LSU. And that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I get it. They were really, really talented. That Justin Jefferson offense. I know they were really, really, really talented, but they were doing some awesome vertical stuff down the field. That is what get me would get me excited if Mike Kafka were to leave. Yeah, and I remember watching Joe Burrow film, and it's like he just they, one. I think it's one why Joe Burrow's crazy. He has such command of the middle of the field, but you know Joe Burrow was not very good the year before, and I'm I'm sure Brady helped install some of that into him. Um, you know, not being afraid to throw the ball over the middle. So there's there. the other names I I put down: Chad O'Shea, the Browns wide receiver coach. He was interviewed by Brian Dable last year for it. Um, was the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins in 2019, uh, wide receiver coach for the Patriots for 10 years. So he was there with Brian Dable. I, I don't know how much that one would inspire me, but they he was one of three finalists. Pep Hamilton had a really bad year with the Texans. I don't know. The Texans had some talent on offense with Cooks and Nico Collins. Um you know, Damian Pierce was, you know, running the ball well. You have a great left tackle, Larry Tunsil. The rest of the offensive line was really bad. But- Can I give you a stat on the Texans? That's mainly like a garbage time stat, but it looks good for them. They were top 10 in the NFL in the number of explosive pass plays. But that's because when you're down by so many points, you're throwing the ball. Teams are kind of playing you a little soft, whatever, whatever, whatever. They'll allow, you know, maybe a 21-yard gain. So that's a positive. That Hey, Pep Hamilton's hired to the Giants. That's a stat that I'm going to, and I will say. Yeah, I mean, he was interviewed by the Giants last year. I'm not going to pretend I, you know, know exactly what went wrong with the Texans besides just being devoid of talent, but not, not, not in his first year as an offensive coordinator was not inspiring. So people liked him at Michigan. Pep Hamilton. Did I get that wrong? I think Pep Hamilton, he was the QB coach for Herbert, his rookie year with the Chargers. um, And then became the QB coach for the Texans and then the offensive coordinator when they've fired uh um uh, cully and then i put a, another one in there dave uh dave canales the seahawks qb coach or slash passing game coordinator for the last few years like the let rest cook stuff like dave canales was the passing game coordinator for that you know and that was some great offense by them got figured out and they couldn't run the ball but he was the passing game coordinator and qb coach not the run game coordinator um and then this year she got the most out of geno smith uh, you know, obviously Shane Waldron is the offensive coordinator there, but like getting the most out of your guys, using your weapons, like uh, Dave Canales, he so he was a, a a one that maybe doesn't get as much talk about that I, I I liked. I was right, by the way. Pep Hamilton was Michigan's passing game coordinator from 2017 to 2019. Word up! I didn't I didn't go far. See, I didn't know that that. But the, Michigan got good once Pep Hamilton left. Oh, tough look for Pep Hamilton. Beat Ohio State twice. Yeah, we only talked like offensive guys. Like the one, the one guy that I wanted to talk about defensively was Gerard Mayo. Until I found out that Gerard Mayo is the linebackers coach for the Patriots. Um, I until I found out that he signed a contract extension with the Patriots and declined like defense coordinator interviews this offseason. Yeah, so. that was the one that screamed at you. Like one, the Patriots have a defense where they will adjust. Um, you know, whether, you know, to what they do, they're good every year. I mean, they're number like the last four years since he's been the linebacker coach, number 11, number two, number seven, number one. And they've had a lot of turnover, talent turnover. 
there. It's hard to find defensive ones. I, 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 Eric Washington, who was the Bills senior def, uh, senior defensive assistant and D line coach for the last couple of years, few years, you know, he's the Panthers defense coordinator for two years where they were ranked 15th and then 31st. So not a glowing endorsement there, but you also see defensive coordinators can suck in their first stint and be great. And their second, a la Wink Martindale. Like, Wink yeah. Martindale was a horrible defensive coordinator for the Broncos. Gets the Ravens and, and gets some influence and, and changes what he, he was about. So, um, but those, obviously, there's, so their defensive one, it was hard to pull names of like, okay, this defense is good. Do we, with offense, you could just go to the QB coach page. Uh, <laughs> with defense, it's like, all right, does the D, like, if, if someone was looking at who to, poach from the Giants defensive staff, they would basically look at all of them except for Agorogu because the linebackers suck and he's very young and green in the, right. in the coaching game. Yeah. All um, right. Next question. So, yeah. Next question. All right. Next question is coming from Chris Forcini at Chris Forcini. This was a question that we got asked uh, during our pre-senior bowl uh, uh, mailbag um, that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Was this that question? Yes, it is this question. And it was this same guy? It's same guy. Are you sure about that? Because I, I, rem- I, I didn't keep I, that in mind. I remember there being a really, really cool, really good Italian name. Chris Forcini's got it. I hope that was it. I, ho- I hope, I Chris, I know this is the same question. And Chris, I hope I'm giving you the proper credit. And thank you for asking again if I am giving the credit. Uh, what do you want to see Daniel Jones add to his game next year? And how can the front office and coaching staff Help him reach that next level. Uh, Bobby, I'm going to take the lead with this one. So I'm going to rattle off before we talk about explosive plays, because my answer to this and what we're going to end up talking about is explosive plays and the records of teams that have the most explosive passing plays and then the least explosive passing plays. So we're going to end up on that. But I'm going to rattle off some stats that are important to winning football games, scoring points, playing good offense. And if you were to tell me that the Giants would finish exactly where they finished, I and like in the month of August, I'd be like, I am so happy. I'm so stoked. The Giants offense is on its way back. So the Giants this year, they were tied for 16th in points per drive. Perfectly average. That's exactly where I was looking for them to be this year. They were 18th in yards per drive. They were 11th in time of possession per drive. They were 9th in EPA per play. Awesome. Top 10. They were 12th in EPA per dropback, 7th in EPA per rushing attempt. Daniel Jones helps in that. Saquon Barkley being efficient helps too. They had a top zone red zone, uh, top 10 red zone offense. Awesome. They were like last in the NFL last year in red zone offense. And as the season went on, early down efficiency drastically improved. Cool. Here's the stat that is most impressive and the area in which I am most worried about the Giants replicating next year they could still be like top five or top 10 in this category and it still won't be as impressive as what they did this year the Giants were number one in the NFL in lowest turnover rate per drive and it's by a wide margin too the Giants just did not turn over the ball this year and I really think when you talk about them being top 10 in EPA per play you talk about them being top 10 in the red zone not turning over the ball Inside the red zone, Daniel Jones not throwing an interception, not fumbling. That is so, so huge. And I think it was a huge part of why the Giants offense was so successful, especially considering how bad they were in explosive pass play rate. So, Bobby, I'll just throw it to you before we talk about the explosive plays and where Dan- like how Daniel Jones needs to specifically step up. Are you worried about them replicating the same lack of turnover that they had on offense this year? Oh, absolutely. You know, but like you said, they have to answer that with, you know, playing in a a different style, Um, you know, not totally changing the offense. um, But, you know, they were 35th of 30, you know, DJ was 35th of 36 and and deep passing uh, attempt percentage. Yeah. Um, You know, but the re like you mentioned all those good stats, like Daniel Jones operated this offense flawlessly. Like he did not make mistakes. Like he didn't make mistakes all year. You know, there was. The, even the plays where it's like maybe you should have done this would end up being like 10-yard gains or like 15-yard yeah. scrambles. Um, and there is a difference between making a mistake like throwing an interception versus missing an opportunity. It's inevitable. And this isn't even me being a Daniel Jones hater. I just honestly think it is inevitable that Daniel Jones 
is going to throw more interceptions this next year, and he may fumble a little bit more. And and again, that's not being me being a hater. It's just knowing the game of football and how it works because Daniel because this offense basically was perfect in not turning over the ball. There's going to be a little bit more turnovers next year, and that could be the difference between the Giants winning nine games like they did this year, and then them winning seven games. And if you win seven games. You're under 500, and if you win nine games, you are just above 500. You can't go 500 in the NFL anymore. <laughs> to improve, though, here's where Daniel Jones, if you were looking at his game from last year and saying, what does he need to improve? There were a handful of times where there were whole shots on the sideline. Yeah. And not like asking them to make amazing throws, but good throws with good timing. You know, on those, basically like those smash concepts, high-low reads on the sideline. Um, which, you know, where they have a safety over the top, a corner kind of playing, uh, playing the flats. There were, there were probably eight to 10 times this year where he should have pulled the trigger. And it wasn't this, again, not asking him to pull off some amazing throw, just make a good throw on timing, be decisive and throw. And he didn't, he didn't, um, that's where he needs to improve his game to get this offense to the next point where the front office is, is they need a wide receiver. Like I was yeah. talking on a podcast today and it's like what what one move could help close the gap help close the gap the most with the teams like the Eagles. And it truly is having a true wide receiver one. Like I went and looked at the EPA stuff today uh and and, and I was actually replying to a conversation on Twitter and every single team in front of them had either an elite O-line o- offensive line group or a just stud great wide receiver Besides the Chiefs. The Chiefs were the only t- uh, exception to the rule. And they, no, I mean, they have Kelsey, and that's a stud skill position player. That's true. Yeah, Travis Kelsey. So even then, I'm proved wrong. Uh, every single one. And a lot of them had two. Like, had both. You know, they had a, great, a good wide receiver group and an awesome offensive line. Um, they really need a wide receiver who can win at every level and create plays at, with the ball in his hands. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to be in the draft. They may not be able to fill that hole this year. You know, like, don't. Don't shop hungry for the wide receiver. They need a wide receiver one. A wide receiver one adds so, so much to your team. You know, like look at A.J. Brown with the Eagles. Who's Is he a top three receiver in the league? No, probably not. But you press him up, he's going to beat you deep, and he's going to make plays, and you can trust throwing the ball to him. I mean, look at the way Daniel Jones used to throw the ball to Golden Tate. I was actually, for some reason, I was watching uh, DJ throwing the ball deep to Golden Tate, and it's like, these didn't have to be perfect throws. Just let him get in a good body, body position to make this. And this was a slot wide receiver. A yeah, it's crazy. Out of, tape. <laughs> out of like all the, you know, you could say that, oh, the Giants could maybe try that with Darius Slayton. And how many times that they should have tried it with Kenny Galladay? The Golden one Tate that was it, their best contested catch wide receiver in the last. <laughs> the one that it really worked with was with Golden Tate, which is crazy. Yeah. So, you know, get a guy like that. But guess what? When they when they play off you like A.J. Brown, I'm going to hit you with slants. I'm going to hit you with curl routes. I'm going to hit you on these speed outs. And. That's something that Darius Slayton can beat you deep. Not the most, the best contested catch guy. Not the best hands. But Slayton on those speed outs, he's not getting a ton of separation. Like he's not forcing that corner to open his hips to the inside and then break out and make that an easy throw. Like when when Darius Slayton is tar- targeted on the sideline on you know those outbreakers and stuff, they are tight and contested because Slayton's yep. not a great route runner. When Slayton gets a separation, is deep, and then on crossers. But anybody can run crossers if you're fast, right? So they just need a guy who can win at every level. Like, that really, really would help Daniel Jones. Um, and I don't know how they're going to do it. Like, we're just barely tipping, dipping our toe into the draft coverage. You know, I don't know if there's going to be that guy at, for, at pick 25. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely not going to be the guy in free agency. Do you trade for a guy like Devontae Adams or, or, or something like that? I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but that is the way the front office – get him a wide receiver one. Yeah. Uh, and to further contextualize the need for a wide receiver one, it, there's a need to be more explosive. There's a need to throw the ball past the sticks, past 15 yards, plus 20 yards down the field and get those 20-plus yard plays. So I looked up – I did my annual exercise of – Looking at the top 10 teams in the NFL, the middle 12 teams that are ranked in this category in the NFL, and then the bottom 10, an an explosive pass plays. Now, I looked at the rankings and explosive explosive pass plays when the margin is between 0 points and 14 points. So you're either the game's tied or you're winning or losing by 14 points. So we'll just call that a game-neutral situation. So 
the top 10 teams in the NFL in explosive pass plays in game-neutral situations, their total record is 113 wins and 55 losses for a 67.2% win rate. The middle 12, 97 and 107. That's 47.5% win rate. And then the bottom 10 in the National Football League, 59, 107 losses and four ties, 35.4% win rate. I mean, that is pretty clear to me that if you want to be a successful team in the NFL, if you want to win games, you got to produce explosive pass plays. And I've said it, you know, time and time again, I try and prove stats that it's that that's the way that you're supposed to do it. And what makes the Giants winning nine games so impressive is the fact that they had coaches that I think that they want to do it. They talked about it for an entire offseason, yet it was the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Washington Commanders that were tied for last in the NFL in explosive pass plays in game-neutral situations. That's got to improve next year. It, it, I've said it for three years now, two years now. It's got to freaking improve next year. Yeah, they, they need a guy they can trust. And then with Daniel Jones, where it's like, take, take those whole shots on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and build on adding, you know, maybe some middle of the field concepts. You know, like Mills. Remember, remember that playoff game where Gabe Davis had four touchdowns. They ran Mills like four times. You know, and that's something that even Daniel Jones and Slayton have had success on, and they just didn't run that concept with that deep post. Um, you know, that I, I really don't think they ran that all year, and if they did, it was like week one or week two. Uh, so there's there's. There's ways to do it. Not easy ways to do it, but there is ways to do it. Next and question. I was, well, oh. I was doing it oh, quick. I was doing an overlay, uh, and I'm trying to see how I can do this where it looks aesthetically pleasing. So I was doing an overlay of all of Daniel Jones's 16 starts and all of his next-gen spray charts because I want to see where he was throwing the ball. And I think I can count on one hand the amount of passes that he had 20-plus yards down the field in the middle of the field. Everything is at the sidelines. Everything. Yeah. It's got to change. It's on Jones, it's on the coaches, and it's on the front office to to get the Jimmies and Joes in here, 100%. All right, uh, John G., he asked, fan of the year, former fan of the year. I know. If you could have one former Giant still active elsewhere and at their current age on the current roster, who would you pick? Who would you pick for this from, Justin? This is tough. I feel like it's it's between three guys here. This question is inspired by did, what is going on with the trolling of Giants fans. Bradbury was asked about it. Have you? Isn't it weird how like Super Bowl media? It's like everyone sends their beat reporters there. So like I'm seeing like the bear like Bears people going in there and asking questions about like what do you think of Justin Fields? So like you know Travis Kelsey or. You know, like Matt Nagy's there and they're like talking about like his time with Chicago. And so like Giants reporters are there. So they asked Tony about the Giants and they asked Bradbury. Like, it's kind of weird that they do that. That's exactly what they want to talk about. They're, so the, you had the Bradbury saying like he'd be willing to come back to the Giants. By the way, the hate for James Bradbury for saying that beating the Giants is a top three moment. It's so overdone. Like that's some of the most tame, tame thing that James Bradbury can say. Like, yes, it was, was it just business? Yes, but they also did screw him, like, you know, waiting oh, yeah. and waiting and waiting. He to got robbed of, you know, he, he could have gotten a, a two, three year deal if they released him in the month of March. Yeah. So, and again, I'm, I'm, I don't, the Giants don't need to apologize for it. They were doing, you know, it's, it's, they yeah. were doing what was best for them. But him, and also he played for the Dave Gettleman Panthers and the Dave Gettleman Giants. He doesn't have any, many, many great moments. Evan Ingram saying, Oh, man, I love New York. And then Justin Pugh saying he needs to check in with the Giants. Yeah. Look, look what is what, what what is going on with the trolling of the Giants? And also the simping for Evan Ingram has to stop. It's like his fifth best year in yards per game. Mm. Uh, uh, who's your answer? I have my answer. It's Kevin Zeiler. I trust Joe Shane. I, you know, Dalvin's one. I trust Joe Shane to draft an interior defense alignment and I'm trusting the Giants just as a franchise or defensive tackle you doesn't matter who's in who's at the front office um and I trust Jerome Henderson to lead any scrub at cornerback to be okay so give me Kevin Zeitler interior line help yeah Zeitler's been great for the Ravens the last couple of years kind of gave him some new life to his career where he wasn't very happy with the Giants towards the end he hated Gooch he's and he had he had his worst year of his career um, 
that season where Nick Gates was like a better offensive lineman uh, than him towards the end of that season. Still wasn't that bad though, but wasn't worth. No, what was no, he but I mean, Gates was, Gates, Gates, Gates was good in 2020. Yeah. Um, you know who's an underrated one? Who's an underrated one? Jabril Peppers. Yeah. Okay. He had an awesome year for New England. Like he would be great in this defense. But I, I'm going to go Dalvin. Having the front of Dalvin, Leo, and Dex, it just changes the way you can call a defense. Like everything you do defensively, it starts with how do we fit up in the run game. Everything you do. For, so when you are installing defense, it's like okay. Our alignment, where we align the nickel corner, where we along in the strong, where we align in the free safety, and how do these guys fit in the run game? And if they pull, who who do we fit against? If if this guy pulls, do we have the nickel corner come and lever on the outside, or does our outside linebacker go and spit? Like it all starts with the run. And when you have three guys like that, it just makes such a such a difference, you know? And we saw it even in 2019 when the Giants had the 30th ranked defense and Al Gokeltree and David Mayo playing linebacker, they had like a top five run defense uh, with those guys. They were giving up like 3.7 yards per carry once Leonard Williams came over. And this is Dex at a whole new level. Like uh, those three guys together, man, it's 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 fun to watch defensive football with those three guys on your front. Yeah, and with you know the emergence of Blake Martinez in 2020 helped too in signing him, but. I think that's one of the reasons why the 2020 defense was so successful. Successful, And you talked about it over and over and over again because they could just worry about stopping the run with those guys and they can drop guys back into coverage and just prevent the big play. Yeah, our linebackers played for more depth. Like it was, and and Blake finally was put in a good position to play linebacker for the first time in his career. Where with the, the Packers, they would play with light boxes and not just have a, sa- like a box safety. They would just play Adrian Amos as like a will linebacker. Yeah. Um, good old Mike Pettin for you. Uh so yeah, I, I would, I would probably go Dalvin. Bradbury might be the answer, getting a corner, but I just want to say Dalvin because I, I can't say anything nice about an eagle this week. Yeah, I trust that there's going to be an interior defense alignment out there that the Giants could add in the draft, and we're like, yeah, let's get him back here for four. Let's get him here for four years, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see where the roster's at. Um, but I, uh, give me the interior offense alignment. That's why I'm going with Zeitler, where I can just all right, done. One of the guard spots covered. Defense wins championships, though. Mm, true. All right, uh, Bobby Skinner, let's move on to the next question. And it's coming from Nico Risen at underscore kaboom underscore. Uh, read an ad. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 and bonus bets bonus bets instantly plus all customers can get in on the super bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings happy hour super boost check the DraftKings sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m to 9 p.m update for p uh, you know yeah between 6 and 9 p- uh, p.m to see what props will be boosted uh what are you so you're going to the super bowl justin you got to make a I bet am. while you're there what are you going to do so i'm i'm telling you something man uh this is going to be on the DraftKings sportsbook i don't know what it's going to be called Joe's McFly and I are going. So this is the the parlay that Joe's McFly and I are putting in. The odds are at plus 2,800. There's five legs. We have five picks. Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown. Okay. Isaiah Pacheco, over 20 receiving yards. Kansas City Chiefs, three over three sacks. Now you're thinking, oh, Justin, the Eagles have a really good offensive line. Number one, Jalen Hurts takes a lot of sacks. Number two. Steve Spagnolo in the Super Bowl, known for getting sacks. They're going to blitz the piss out of him, too. Number three, I think the Eagles are going to throw the ball more because the game's going to be closer and they're not going to be winning in a freaking blowout. Um, Miles Sanders, under 74 and a half rushing yards. I think they're going to be throwing more. And then over 24 and a half Patrick Mahomes rushing yards. That sounds like a very reasonable five-leg parlay. The Mahomes one is a little worrisome. I mean, he is... The whole ankle thing. That's the Mahomes one is the one that worries me a little bit, but I would it's I would go for it. He could get twenty yards on one play, because that's just what Patrick Mahomes does. And you gotta think, they're gonna be dropping guys back into coverage. The Chiefs are gonna be running deep concepts. Shit's gonna be open for Patrick Mahomes to hit. So if you put twenty dollars on that five leg parlay that I just that I just said, you can win five hundred and eighty dollars. Now that's as of right now. I don't know if they're gonna change it. They may change it. 
But if you do it today, you can win $580. So that's what we're doing. I like it. I like it. Um, I kind of want to spend some time talking about how Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are total scumbags. <sighs> Patreon. We'll save, that for, an- to the Patreon. We'll save that for another ad. <laughs> I was thinking about doing an emergency Simple Man Radio today. If you want to <laughs> see my yourself. takes, just, just basically go to the Simple Man Radio Twitter and just tell me – just see me tweet about how much I hate every single person in the Nets organization. I don't even know if I would want to be there for that. Uh, you just go. I think it, we're. I was talking with Crank, and I was like, maybe me, Snacks, and Crank could get on it. No, um, <laughs> they, gang, they gang up on you. It's two Knicks fans versus the Nets fan. You can't gang up on me. I'm dead. <laughs> so, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code World. New customers can bet five dollars on Super Bowl Fifty Seven and get two hundred and bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code. World minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, next be, question. You'll be glad you did. Sam Crush at I am Sam Crush. What a good user. I may change mine to I am Justin Panic. What position would you be willing to spend a decent amount of money on in free agency? And do any specific players come to mind? To me, it's probably linebacker, right? Like, which is their Giants' weakest position on the roster is linebacker. Um, wide receiver. There's not any like dogs, and it's like the the long week. Like great wide receivers don't hit free agency. I, so I would go linebacker. David Long Jr. from Tennessee. I think he's a really underrated player. You know, he had, uh he's been he's been good for them, man. He had like a game winning interception versus the, the 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 Commanders this year, and it was like great football. Like him reading, like it, it actually made my interception of the week breakdown. I think he's just a solid player. If you wanted to poach from the Eagles, you get a guy like TJ Edwards. Like I, yeah. I, I think linebacker is the spot that if they're gonna, like they're going to spend money somewhere, I think linebacker might be the spot to go and do it at. I was on the phone with Snacks today, and I know Levante David's old, but part of me is like, give him a two-year deal and just screw it. Like let's just see what happens. I still think he's a stud. Um, there are three positions that I think of the game of football. I'm just okay spending a little money on. Those three positions are cornerback. I think you should be spending 25 to 40% of your cap space on cornerback because cornerbacks are so difficult to draft and it's such a hard position to transition to in the NFL. I've talked about it over and over again. It started out as a joke and now it's a serious take. So cornerback, interior linebacker, I'm with you. I am 100% a fan of giving an interior, uh, giving a Good to solid interior linebacker, a Blake Martinez type contract this offseason. You're, you're with me on that, right? Oh, absolutely. That that deal was pretty fair, too. That wasn't a huge contract either. Yeah. And then also interior offensive line. Like, I, I, those three positions, I am okay with spending spending a little bit. Every every other position, I feel like you should be dra- – like, you should be drafting interior offensive linemen anyway. But every other position, I'm like, all right, you should really build those through the draft. Well, and, and interior offensive line and corner specifically are two positions that are very hard to translate from college to the NFL. Like, it's, yeah. it's hard. To, like, like go look at, like, pass blocking efficiency numbers this year and look at the worst for guards. It's, like, all rookies. And then, like, Mark Gowinski in the middle there. It's all rookies. And I'm talking about, like, Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, like guys taking the th- first 15 picks of the draft. Like it's all rookies. And then corner, like you see so many corners bust where Jeff Okuda is like this can't miss cornerback prospect. He's not going to get his option picked up most likely. Uh, you know, like That's even Sa- Sauce Gardner, who I thought was the best player in last year's draft, I s- still part of me is like corner, scary. Um, so that and 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 teams an for exception. some reason teams teams will let good linebackers and interior offensive line and corners get the free agency. I just feel like they they feel like they can replace those positions. So, um, yeah, line, but linebacker is the one I land at. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Next question. Next question. MPG men two two seven five at MJP two two seven five. Bobby, this is your question. Bobby, can you give a breakdown? of what you saw on Evan Neal versus Andrew Thomas in year one, the difference between what they were doing and what Neal will need to do to improve on to hopefully get to Andrew Thomas's level. So the difference between their struggles, um, and we don't need to have the conversation about how Andrew Thomas was like a, very much improved by the end of his rookie year, and by the end of his rookie year, it's like, okay, this guy's going to be good, uh, like with confidence. Thomas's issues were technique-based where he would overset 
and give up the inside man and he would punch to he would he he would punch too early and he would overextend and lunge in his punches and he's got long arms and he didn't need to do that what thomas improved on was he started cheating with his inside foot and protecting the inside and then realizing i'm athletic enough to go toe-to-toe with every rusher in the nfl and they weren't the dominant reps that we see now today from andrew thomas but he was washing guys around the edge consistently you know there's that one blip game with arizona where golden like gave him that little fake stutter inside and then went back outside and bend the corner. And it was like, okay, like they, they know what you're doing now, Thomas, you got to adjust. Um, and then that's when we saw like his best games the last couple of weeks of the year versus like teams like the Cowboys and Demarcus Lawrence. So that's what Thomas dealt with. And it's very different than what Evan Neal struggles with. Evan Neal struggles with one getting out of a stance, but getting to his spots where Thomas was getting to his spots and then some a little too much. Neil is struggling to get to his spots in pass pro, and guys are beating him around the corner with speed. And also, Neil is not getting, because he's not getting to his spot, he's not punching and landing his punches, and he's got that balance issue that Thomas does not have. Um, Thomas is the, is a superior athlete. He's got that balance issue, so when he is out of place and not landing his punch, Guys are able to use that that weight, dis, like distribute his weight against him, get jack him up and turn him around, or just work him around the corner. And his hand, like he's not landing his punch, but his hands are out there. They're using his hands out there. Like if what Evan Neal needs to work on to get better this year is get out of your stance and go and get to your spots and pass pro. Go like work, not just I'm not talking about just like working to get in your stance. Like no. Getting confident and getting to your third step. And getting to your third step no matter what. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Just practice that. You know, like spend two weeks, you know. And this is where O-line coaching and just coaching and position coaching in the NFL, they don't help you improve as a player much in season. What they help you for is prepare for the opponent. Um, And where Andrew Thomas improved is where the coaching that he was getting from Mark Colombo, Joe Judge... And Paul Alexander, who trained him, who's like a you know a well-known offensive line coach, who the, Jason Garrett actually fired for Mark Colombo in Dallas. You know he like who trained with Thomas in the draft, got in his head, and Joe Judge, you know, with the guidance of Gooch, and told him how how to start working better and cheating and that type of stuff, and stop trying to do all these like hand things that Mark Colombo was trying to teach him. So what I'm the point I'm making is the off season is where these guys improve. This is the offseason where you improve. And Evan Neal, from everything we know, is going to do everything he can to fix it. But we will see that. We're going to need to see that improvement at the start of next season. And that doesn't need to be great at the start of next season. But he's got to be a solid right tackle at the, end, uh, at the start of next season. And that starts with being able to fire out of his stance and confidently getting to that third step without opening his hips and punching. Yeah, training camp and games one through four are vital to not hey we're this is a pod that's happening in the beginning of february but really training camp and games one through four are vital for the trajectory of evan neal's career <laughs> next year they they or this upcoming year they 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 really really are from them and man it was just so frustrating i i felt like i was dumb in camp where it's like you could say all this technical stuff about offensive line and getting to your landmarks and it, it all starts with just get dude get out of your freaking stance Get out of your stance. Like I, it's not like you're dealing with crowd noise in camp. You're you're hearing the cadence. You're you're hearing the snap count. You know, get out of your stance. It was the most frustrating thing, and I get it, it all starts there. Like like you said for sure. You covered it. Good job. I really like put together my talking points for that one. I wanted like, for to make a nice speech on that. Get out of your stance. Uh, get out of so. your stance. Get all out right, of your next, stance. Get out of your stance. Um, why don't you read an ad? Oh, all right. I'll read an ad. Uh, Manscaped. That's right. They're selling beard products. Replace that bulky razor of yours with the brand new Beard Hedger Kit and get 20% off plus free shipping using our code GIANTS. I gave one of my buddies the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit, and he absolutely loves it. Anytime So does Moncho. Anytime they, we go down to AC, Atlantic City, he brings it down with us, and he says, look, I'm using my brush. 
and he brushes his beard. And I'm like, thank you for brushing your beard in front of me. It all starts with the beard hedger. That's right. This waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, the trimmer has a titanium-coated T-blade that is tough on hair but smooth on your face. The Pro Kit comes with beard shampoo and conditioner, manscaped beard oil, and cap it off with the beard bomb. Plus, plus there's three free gifts. The beard brush, like I talked about, a comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So what I want you to do is get 20% off and free shipping with our code GIANTS at manscaped.com. The Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit, the premier solution to face grooming. You will be glad you did 100%. Bobby Skinner, next question. We are going to talk about some top five favorite plays of the season. Rocky at Rocky698008. What were your top five favorite plays of this season? My favorite play. So we we play the Packers in London. We win. Ooh. We're four and one. Four and one teams can miss the playoffs. Oh, the Packers aren't that good. Da, 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 da. Okay, whatever. Now we're playing the Ravens, and this was the Ravens before Lamar Jackson got hurt, and they were playing really good football, especially on offense. They weren't yep. really playing good football on defense. We're hoping to get a stop and get the ball back. They're it's third and long. Lamar Jackson fumbles the snap. Throws the ball to Julian Love. Julian Love returns the ball down to like the eight-yard line. That, to me, is number one. Because that was like, a, oh, my God. We are going 5-1. and one. That was like, you know, starting off 1-0 and is cool, and that's on, that's on my on my top five. But that was like, we're going 5-1 and one right now. Like, this is, this is insane. And it happened on a crazy play. That was like the most energy I got all season. So, I'm going... The Julian Love interception versus Lamar Jackson. And it was the first interception of the season, too, uh, yeah. versus the Ravens. And that was a game where it's like, ah, we're lost. We're going the four and two. Like, kind of had given up hope. Hopefully, we get this ball back and see what the offense can do. And Julian Love puts the game in his hands and gives the Giants the ball to score with a couple minutes left. So, that's that's number one? That's number one for me. Bad radio on you starting with number one. Uh, I, I felt like I, I had to do number one. What's your number one? My number one is the Tennessee Titans two point conversion. I had that as three. Um, great, the great Chris, Chris Myrick f- forgets. You forget Chris Myrick scored the touchdown, the Tyler. He can't be stopped. Literally, can't be Love stopped. Love to hear from that guy and his mindset on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I mean, week a week one win is about as sweet as a win as you can get. And just season wise, it was like quintessential everything that we wanted to see out of the Giants heading into this year is. Being more aggressive, playing to win, criticizing so many other coaches of coaching scared, playing scared, not going out and scoring points. And, you know, that Sterling Shepard, big explosive 60-yard touchdown. And then the Saquon Barkley had like a couple explosive runs, you know, really thinking, you know, we were wrong about this being like a a, a flat-out explosive offense. But, you know, at the time, that's what we're thinking. And then, boom, winning it on that two-point conversion and be like, you know what? We may lose this game because the Titans could drive down and score, but... F it, we're gonna win this on our, on our own terms, and and that's what they certainly did. All right, what's uh? I have what's that number as three. Two? You have that uh, as you have that as three. What's number two? The Isaiah Hodgins post touchdown versus the Vikings to make the game fourteen to seven, because that was like, oh, um, it's like we, we the offense was just dealing, and you take like they got the ball first, they scored first. Okay, we come back and score, we get a stop. Now we're up fourteen seven. We're getting the ball like that. That play and we like we hadn't run a post route and we were at Mr. Purple and you know a play like that was that the I mean the Giants really never let look back after that like that that touchdown was just sick like just fired in on that post route beating Patrick Peterson Isaiah Hodgins that was my number two my number two is coming from the same game and the same two players but it is not the same play it's Daniel Jones to Isaiah Hodgins roll to his left tippy toe catch. Isaiah Hodgins on the sideline. That's That was a play in a game where I'm like, wow. Like, th- I feel like I'm watching a, an offense that is the New York football Giants. I'm watching an offense in the playoffs that I would be jealous of in years past. And that play of just awesome quarterbacking, Daniel Jones rolling to his left, kind of throwing against his body, bullet to the sideline, and having a receiver tippy-toe catch it, bring it down. That was like a quintessential, like, holy shit, this is like so 
awesome. Uh, I love I love explosive offenses. I love scoring points. Um, and that was a really, really cool moment. So that's number two for me. And DJ maybe had his best throw of the game, the next play to Darius Slayton that they didn't catch where he just fires it into the corner and end zone beautifully. Yeah. So number three for me was the Saquon Chris Myrick touchdown two-pointer in Tennessee. What was your number three? Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau strip sack touchdown Sunday Night Football. Oh, that's a good one. That one actually didn't make my list, but that was a really good one. Mm-hmm. Like Sunday Night Football. I love Sunday Night Football. Uh, it's been such a long, long time. I don't count 2020. I'm sorry, Colt McCoy. No fans in the stands. I would have been there in 2020 if it wasn't for if it wasn't for COVID. I don't I don't count that. Um, such such a long time that we won on Sunday Night Football, and the fact that our pass rush made a memory like that with our number five overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau strip sack touchdown against Washington divisional game in the month of December. Sunday Night Football number three for me. First primetime win since 2018. Monday Night Football versus the 49ers. Yeah. Uh so that was your number three. Number four for me was the Kenny Galladay touchdown. Same thing with me. Number four. I that I you I cannot explain how emotional that made me. Like. I like, I I would have much like even though I I wanted to win that game, but that touchdown made me emotional. It was just like all these feelings from like two years from the signing him and how much we were excited for it and celebrated that signing, to it being total despair and him being a useless player, to on the last play of the season for the offense, him scoring a touchdown, his last his his last regular season play for the New York Giants, maybe the last route he ran. And he got the touchdown. So that was number four for me. It made me emotional. Number and then five. Num- number five was a little selfish. The cave on Thibodeau Snow Angel. Um, <laughs> just hilarious. The longest sack celebration I've ever seen. It lasted over 10 seconds. Nick Foles is rolling around on the ground next to him. He's literally snow angeling his hand into him. And all the fallout afterwards. I, I put cave on Snow Angel number five. And we so went to the playoffs that game. At this point, the Giants are one, two, three, four, five. They're five and one. They're playing the Jaguars week seven. That was a game that I think both of us were pretty scared. Five and one playing a Jags team that has lost some tough games, but the Giants start out that game, punch the Jaguars in the mouth, and there is a deep explosive play touchdown to Darius Slayton down the field. That is my number five moment. The Darius Slayton, Daniel Jones touchdown to start that Jacksonville Jaguars game and set the tone and set the momentum there. Because they were having a hard time through the early part of the season, really throwing the ball down the field. And that was such an awesome moment in a game that could very much be a trap game for the Giants. Them having that 5-1 and one start, they went 6-1, and one, and that play uh, set the tone of the game. I was there for that game. That was a very fun day. All right, uh, next question. Your number five was? The Cave on Snow Angel. The Cave on Snow Angel. Yeah, you said it was selfish. I just wanted you to maybe say it again. Uh, Scott W. Mitchell at SWMSWM5. Hmm. Player you're most looking forward to returning from injury, and why is it Colin Johnson? Um, I'll tell you, for me, it's not Colin Johnson. Yeah. There's not like some like surefire, like, man, if we had this guy. The only one you could do is Shep, but I'm not excited for Shep. One, I don't even know if we should bring him back unless it's on the minimum. Also, he's just going to get hurt again. To me, it's Josh Azudu. Like, Azudu made improvement from, like, those first two games, he was awful. Like, awful, awful. You cannot put this guy on the field. Like, try if if you if you need to play him, maybe try Devery Hamilton, like, type of awful. And he, when he came back, like, he wasn't great, but he was well, well improved. And he has the profile of what a great pass protection guard could be with his feet. His foot speed is so quick. Obviously, that helps him pulling and in the run game. Like, I think with some uh, some solid coaching, Azudu can be really, really good. So, Azudu is my guy I'm, I'm most excited for. Like, if there's one player where it's like, are you look, I guess Evan Neal too. But, like, the year two jump, it's like, I want to see what Azudu's made out of. Like, that was, that that's a guy who can. Be, he has a profile to be an awesome guard. What was his injury? Do you remember on the top of your head? Not that it would help my brain determine his projection for next year, but I kind of just want to know. The neck injury. Oh, okay. I when, when is he cleared? Do we know? I don't know. They're never going to tell us with neck. Maybe <sighs> if our reporters could find out. First day OTAs. Ask if Josh Zudu is clear for contact. 
that that would that would be great because I I would hate if Josh Azudu's like offseason training is robbed because of whatever injury that he suffered and I really hope that it's not because he he's another guy where along with Evan Neal if anything I'm a little bit more I'm more nervous to see Evan Neal because he was the seventh pick of the draft. Oh, I'm very nervous to see Evan Neal. But I'm I'm excited to see Josh Azudu. Oh, you're a third round pick. Yeah, you should maybe amount to something because you know if you're a top 100 pick, you you should be somewhat of a contributor eventually down the line, right? But because of Azudu's athletic profile, like you said, I am excited to see what he can turn into, and the fact that he did show that improvement, and a guy like Evan Neal did not show that improvement over the season. So I really hope that his off season isn't robbed by rehabbing. And I hope that he can put the attention that's necessary and like improving as a football player, working hard. I trust that Joe Shane has drafted these guys to, you know, that they want to work hard. They want to improve as, as, as football players. The, the way that I know I answered the Zudu question, honestly, is, you know what I mean? I don't really like reach out to players unless they like are friendly with us already or, or follow us. Azudu we never had any contact with. And I was like, I got to message this guy. And I was just like, sorry, your season got cut short, but it was awesome to see the growth in the short period of time. Excited to see you back next year. Like, I, I'm excited for Azudu. I didn't, yeah. I, there was not a single player who even doesn't follow us or we haven't had contact with that I, I've messaged since the season ended besides Josh Azudu. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really pumped to see him. The guy that I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see Darian Beavers. He mm. really, flashed. I think the excitement for Beavers is worrisome from Giants fans to me. He he flashed in camp, and I that that doesn't you know we we literally got off of a Senior Bowl week saying that you can't take much from interior linebacker play from the Senior Bowl week, and Senior Bowl week is basically kind of what you see in training camp. Um, but he did flash in camp. He looked faster than I thought he was, and I get it off you know tor- coming off a torn ACL, you may you may lose a little speed there for a year, but I am excited to see what what Darian Beavers can be because clearly, even though you know maybe. Bobby Skinner, maybe you didn't have the the highest expectations for him. I think the Giants did. The Giants were going to start him at Mike Linebacker if he did not tear his ACL in, in camp. They said that that's what they were going to plan on doing. So um, I'm excited to see him back on the field next year. Hopefully it's not – hopefully we're not rolling into next year with him as the starting Mike Linebacker. Yeah, that can't be the plan. I, I, no. I'm excited to see what Beavers is next year. But the idea that, like, oh, we got Beavers, it's it's very it very much reminds me of, like, well, we can't get a tackle. We got Matt Parrott. Yeah. Well, I I hope. I mean, the one's a top one. One's a like one, top one hundred ish pick, and the other one's what was Beavers a six round pick. Yeah. So, so even two more very so different reasons stories. not. Two very different stories there. Darren Beavers cannot be the plan. But if you if you want to get him to like your tweet, tweet that. Yeah. He likes every negative tweet about him. I am also excited. I'm still. A little bit emotionally invested in Aaron Robinson. I wish we could have seen him this year play nickel corner. I said yeah. it a million times. I was like, this guy can, if he's playing nickel corner, I'm excited about his trajectory. On the outside, I'm not really excited about his trajectory. Um, but he, he's another guy, you know, Chris Collinsworth. Here's a guy who has gotten injury after injury. He's gotten four different injuries that have made him miss serious time. You know, he missed all that time the start of his season, then missed a couple of games, uh, his rookie season after coming back, and then two, you know, injury in camp or preseason, and then the the torn ACL at the start of the season. The torn ACL that the beat reporters didn't find out was a torn ACL for ten weeks. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, speaking of Aaron Robinson, we have a question about the secondary. LL at twenty two double underscore Rillo. What's your opinion on the state of the secondary? I'm sure you guys have probably been asked this a million times, but Julian Love is a pending free agent uh, yet to receive a contract from us. Do we retain or is there a better option? And is Adoree CB1 of the future or not? We got to go quick through this, but corner is a position that needs a lot of investment or just even secondary. Last year of Adore's deal, he will be 28 next offseason, so you can bring back Adore, but he's missed games every single year. Um Flot is a maybe. Xavier, this is the last year of his contract. Love is a free agent. Like this, to me, the secondary needs a lot of investment. Oh, there's so many positions that need a lot of investment. It's crazy we freaking went to the divisional. Like credit to Daniel <laughs> Jones, Saquon Barkley, this coaching staff for getting this team to the playoffs. Because it's like, you don't, there's not a single position where it's like, you, besides quarterback, where it's like, you really need to invest here. Um, uh, yeah. I, Flawed is a maybe. 
X, what is, you know, what is, is, what is X going to be in this system? Is he going to be like a true difference maker or just a really good player who gets underrated because he's not putting up stat numbers on it? Like there's this corner may be like where I land on pick 25. It also depends on if Wink Martindale is back or not. And then what, what would the new defensive coordinator prioritize? Like what, what is his system? What is he about? which that changes, especially like the guy that it changes his role the most is Xavier McKinney. Does he become like this single high safety and, you know, they're going to be playing press man or is Xavier McKinney playing too high again and then he's able to put up more stats? Um, that's just one guy that comes to the top of my head um, that it really changes his his role. So I hope Wink's back. <laughs> All right. Uh, add. Add. We got to talk about. Add. Roman, 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 my Valentine's Day plans. I'll be coming back from the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll pop a little pop a little Roman. Uh, you, you think you think uh, whoever I'm sitting next to on an airplane, like if they look over and see a little see a little something popping in my pants, having a pants party. Aren't you flying with Paxson? No, not flying with Paxson. I'm um, <laughs> flying with Joe's McFly. You think he would you think he would uh, you think he would like it? I don't know. You don't know? I don't think Paxton would like it. Um, so that was my Valentine's Day plan. Some say Valentine's Day is the sexiest day of the year, but are you ready, Roman ready, for sex? Because a strong sex life can deepen your feelings of intimacy with your partner and lead to increased happiness. And Roman addresses a variety of sexual health needs for men. They offer genuine medication that helps achieve and maintain a strong erection. Roman also offers discreet wipes that help you last four times longer in bed or four times longer in the sky flying home from Arizona. Making a stop at the Denver airport was told there's like the Illuminati there. So the Illuminati is. We had a, yeah. I think we had a conversation about that in Alabama. Yeah, we did. Uh, treating low testosterone can help revive your sex drive. Roman is testosterone testing and treatment. So what I want you to do to get ready, Roman ready, for better sex this Valentine's Day is go to ro.co slash johnboy today to get 20% off your first entire order. That's ro.co slash johnboy. You'll be glad you did, Roman. Have you ever had like a conversation with an Illuminati guy that was trying to convince you? No, have you? Sounds like it. Oh, definitely. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, even if you're true, I don't care. Like, there's nothing I'm gonna do about it. So I'm not like have at it, Illuminati. What do you think have I'm gonna it. stop them? Um, have at it, Illuminati. Next question. Last question. Uh, I'm gonna be quick with this. Uh, kind of a personal question. This is Paul Rudd. The Paul I love Rudd. Paul Rudd. Kind of a personal the, question. I don't love the Paul Rudd. I, I do like Paul Rudd, the actor, but I love this this Twitter user, Paul Rudd. I like this guy more. Kind of a personal question, but why do you think a press pass would hurt the show? You don't have to act like the media just because you have the lanyard and sitting in the press box for free. Press box for free sounds sweet. Um, I like that we don't have that access. Uh, I like that when we learn things that maybe the quote unquote media would learn. We learn them as fans, and I think it's cooler, and I think it, it means something that's a little bit more. Um, and I think experiencing the Giants as fans is more of a genuine and authentic experience as opposed to experiencing the Giants as a media member. That's my answer. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. Um, here's the thing I would be open to one day, though, is like Danny King being like, all right, you're the Talking Giants beat writer. You, we, we can try and apply for a press. He's literally but, going to school for that. So like he, he wouldn't, I don't know how to go about like the business of doing that. And Danny King's literally going to school for it. Small world. Danny King. I don't know if he's supposed to, but Danny King got an internship with a very well-known company. Wow. And the person he interviewed with, interviewed with is like a big talking giants fan. Oh, uh, I don't know how much I'm supposed to share of this. And I, th I think he got offered it. So. Uh, he's going to take it. So how about that? Danny King leaving us in the dust. Connections. Um, so I don't think I think it was random. I don't think it was even a connection. I think it was literally just random. Good for him. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the, enjoy your time in California, scumbag Danny King. All right. That's an episode. What? The perks of being a weatherman. Yeah. De definitely a good weatherman. I think he was like bad at a hundred, a thousand this year. Yeah. Um, also, I just the the only time I'd want to be a beat reporter is the training camp practices were not allowed into. That's the only correct. Yes, yeah. 
and now it would like they let us into so many like if the giants didn't if they only opened up the practices for like five practices that's when it if they did that again i would be like like pat hanlon let us in like just we don't we don't need to be on the field we will stand the entire time just let us in like i will sit and i will stand in the sun we will be the only ones in the stance yeah just literally just set up two chairs and me and justin will sit in them all right, that's an episode. We'll be back on Tuesday with a player interview, a little Super Bowl talk. We'd like to do, we'd like to, we don't try to talk about the NFL in general on here, but we'll talk a little Super Bowl. Hopefully, we still have our both our coordinators too. So we'll see you then. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy your last weekend of football. It makes me a little emotional to say it. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>